Hello, welcome to episode 24 of the Remote Hive podcast. I am your host, Darren Cronian, and today I'm going to be sharing seven essential travel safety tips for digital nomads. I thought this was a good topic to talk about today because obviously of all of the news around the coronavirus and I am going to be talking about that because I'm actually going to be going to Bangkok in Thailand very very soon in fact in the next 48 hours but we'll get into the precautions that I'm taking about going there to Thailand which is in an area quite close to China you know not on its doorstep as such but there have been cases in Thailand so you do need to take precautions. Before we get into all of that though, I thought I would promote my new YouTube channel called The Remote Hive. There's about 30 videos on there. I'm very much experimenting with kind of stood up, sat down, giving advice type videos. So they will improve over time, but if you go and check them out, there's lots of great advice on there. Just got a few issues with the lighting and the sound, but those things are getting ironed out. (laughs) I will leave a link to the YouTube channel in the show notes for this episode. If you go to hivevine.com slash podcast, and hivevine is spelled H-I-V-E-V-I-N-E dot com slash podcast. And this week's question comes in from Lee, who sent me a direct message on Instagram if you go to instagram.com slash remote Darren, again, link in the show notes, that's where you can DM me and engage, ask questions, say hello, whatever you would like to do. So, Lee asks, absolutely love the podcast, Darren. You mentioned recently on Instagram that you stay in one place for 30 to 90 days. How do you book your accommodation if you are staying in one place for a longer period of time? I've got to say that I'm not a huge fan of hotels. If I'm staying somewhere for a couple of days or a week, then I'll book a hotel or book two hotels. But most of the time, for two weeks and above, I would book an apartment. And there's a number of reasons why I prefer apartments. Obviously, you've got the comfort of home, so it makes you feel like you're at home, which is good when you're traveling full time. Normally you have a desk or an office space that you can work from. Comfy bed, showers, pools, swimming pools, gyms, depending obviously where you are staying in the world. And for those, to rent those, I use Airbnb. And by the way, in the show notes, there's a link to my Airbnb page where you can get a nice discount if you book through that link. You've got to be a first time user of Airbnb, but go and check it out in the show notes. So Airbnb, the process that I go through is I think about where I want to stay. So I'm going to Bangkok. I would search for apartments in Bangkok. I'm looking for either studios or one bedrooms. Not bothered about a two bedroom when I'm traveling alone. I also look for a desk, make sure it's got internet, make sure it's got some kind of kitchen facilities, even though to be honest, Bangkok, it's not much of a problem because you can get food literally around the street corner. And I also send the host of the accommodation a series of questions. You know, is there clubs or bars nearby that might cause a noise disturbance? Is there any construction work going on in the building or nearby? And those are important questions to ask because there's nothing worse than being in somewhere 
and just being disturbed all the time by construction and nightclub music. I like a chilled out place. I like somewhere that's quiet. Obviously when you're in cities like Bangkok, there's going to be noise. But I don't mind the kind of general street noise. It's like construction and club music that I don't particularly like. The base of club music. I also obviously ask questions about the internet. Who the provider is. What the speeds are. Is the Wi-Fi box just for that apartment or is it being shared with other apartments? Do I have access to the Wi-Fi box? And all sorts of other questions. Some hosts, you know, just answer the questions. There's no problem. Some hosts are like, oh God, this guy's asking so many questions. And they don't really respond because they can't be bothered. And those hosts just don't get my business. Because I'm not going to book anywhere unless I know it's perfect for me. So it's really important to have questions based around what you need from an apartment. Also for me, it's got to be 10-15 minutes walk from a major metro or public transport. Ideally not buses, <laughs> because if you are you know, living in Bangkok or Kuala Lumpur, traffic is horrendous. So I always try and use something like a metro, or like in Bangkok they've got the BTS. I prefer to be outside of the tourist area where the locals are, one, it's cheaper, and two, I just feel you get a, a better experience being where all the locals are rather than being where all the tourists are. So yes, I use Airbnb for my accommodation. I normally pay between 300 and 500 pound a month. And don't forget, that includes all of your utility bills. There is an Airbnb charge that you have to pay, but other than that, you know, no utility bills, so it's much cheaper to live this lifestyle than live back home in my home city of Leeds in England. So that was a very long answer to your question, Lee, but I use Airbnb. If I was staying any longer than three months, then obviously I would look at maybe renting locally, but for three months, a month, you're absolutely fine with Airbnb. I hope that answers your question, Lee, but if anybody else has any questions, you can email me, darren at hivevine.com. A link will be in the show notes. I'm going to stop saying that. Everything that I mention, you know, website-wise, tool-wise, resources, will all be in the show notes. So let's talk about travel safety as a digital nomad. Now, most digital nomads are traveling solo. So it's even more important to be aware of your surroundings and have some level of common sense when it comes to traveling. You know, walking around the dark alleyways at night time after you've been out drinking is not a good idea, especially in cities like Bangkok and other cities all over the world. Walking around with your mobile phone in full view and anything else that can cause problems when you are traveling, you know, just, just be very careful. A lot of the travel tips that you hear online it's basically common sense. You wouldn't walk around with your mobile phone stuck out of your pocket, your back pocket. You wouldn't be flashing your money around as you are in a bar, getting all those wads of local currency out because you were just asking for problems. At the end of the day, just think about what you are doing before you do it and be safe. Have some common sense. As I said earlier in the podcast, I'm going to be going to Bangkok in Thailand in the next 48 hours. Now, I'm not stressing about the virus. 
I know it's an issue locally. I know they've had cases in Bangkok. But I'm not, you know, stressing out. I'm just taking precautions. Now, some people might feel that I'm being a little bit over the top. But I feel at the end of the day, it's my health. It's my safety. And I don't know what the situation is going to be over the month that I'm actually in Bangkok. It could get worse. It could get better. So what I've purchased is an N95 mask. And that protects you much more than a surgical mask. It's a little bit bigger. There's no gaps in the side of the mask, which is the problem with surgical masks. And I've also purchased a few bottles of hand sanitizer. And the reason why I've done that here in Prague is because I've read online, and I don't know how true this is, but I've read online that masks and hand sanitizer are becoming low on stock. And I don't want to get there and have problems finding it. So I've been sensible and purchased it beforehand. Now it's very unlikely that I will use the mask, especially day to day, unless the situation gets worse. But at least I have it. The hand sanitizer, I will most definitely be using it as I'm traveling around in public transport and eating in restaurants and that kind of thing. I think it's just really important, especially right now, to have good hygiene. So those are the precautions that I'm taking. I'm not canceling my trip. I'm not stressing about it. I just know it's an issue locally, which kind of leads me on to the first tip. I think it's really important that you read up on the news and issues that are going on in the places you are traveling to. Just spend a little bit of time, maybe searching on Google, Google News, or on Twitter. Now, obviously be careful who you believe, who you take information from. Because let's be honest, <laughs> on social media, there's a lot of people that are just spurting out a load of nonsense and they know nothing. The same with the media. The media are spouting out information because it sells newspapers, because it gets people on the website clicking ads. Those ad impressions are super important for these publishers nowadays. So my advice would be to just make sure that you're consuming advice from knowledgeable experts. So for example, the Foreign Commonwealth Office is predominantly the one that I listen to when it comes to local advice in the places that I'm traveling to. I remember going to Bali in 2018, and that was around the time when the volcano, or one of the volcanoes, could erupt at any time. And again, I took a mask, I never used it, but I had it should the worst case happen. And that's why you are taking these pieces of equipment. Not because you're going to use it, because you might use it. And it might be that locally, there's just none for sale because of shortages. So always keep informed of issues, of news that is going on in the local area. A good example again is Hong Kong. If you're going to Hong Kong with all the riots, it's important to know information about you know, where those demonstrations are taking place, you know, what's happening, keeping informed with developments. Super important. And I've kind of mentioned it already, but the kind of the Foreign Commonwealth Office website in the UK, I know the US has got a very similar kind of organisation that deals with kind of visa, consulate, travel advice. So definitely go and check them out based on what country you are from. Just search for the destination that you are going to. 
make sure that you don't have anything like visas to think about. It's surprising how that kind of comes to you at the last minute. The Foreign Commonwealth Office is an example that actually provides lots of really good information about health and events and terrorism, terrorism and things like that. So it's a super important site. I'm going to link to the UK and also the US foreign websites for visas and health and things like that in the show notes. The next tip that I want to offer is about scams which are aimed at foreigners and tourists. Now scams can happen in your home city, they can happen in any city across the world. Bangkok is a very good example of many scams that go on there and they're targeted near tourist attractions like the tuk-tuk scam and all sorts of wonderful things that can happen to you in Bangkok. So if you are aware of those scams, when you start to see something happening, like a tuk-tuk driver approach you to tell you that the you know, Golden Palace is closed down or a temple is closed down, then you know that that potentially is a scam, is more than likely a scam. And that way you aren't going to find yourself in trouble and you know, out of pocket, out of money, injured. Who knows what can happen in those situations? Not trying to scare you, I just feel that if you are forewarned about potential scams, then you are much more likely to be deterred from them should you see what's happening. So all you really need to do is just to go to your favorite search engine like google.com and type in scams in the place that you're going to. So for me, it would be scams in Bangkok. And there's literally sites dedicated to showcasing, you know, the more common scams that happen in the city. And there'll be lots of advice in cities all over the world. Barcelona is notorious for pickpocketers and people stealing phones off restaurant tables and and those kind of scams. So yes, just do that research because it's going to save you so much stress and hassle in the future. Now, when I'm going to a place where I know there's an issue, a situation like the coronavirus, I always make sure that my family are aware of the accommodation that I'm staying in, the flights that I'm taking, because I think that's super important that they keep informed of my developments. And if they weren't to hear from me for a day or two, they know that something is up and they have contact details to contact somebody, i.e. my Airbnb host, as an example. Can you imagine, though, if you don't give that information and you are hospitalised for whatever reason and your family are worrying, they don't know where you are, all they know is that you're in Bangkok or whatever city you're in. So what I have is a Dropbox account and I have a shared folder. And in there, I put a note, a document with all of the address details. And that way, if my family ever need to get that information, i.e. like my travel insurance information, which we'll get into a little bit later, then they have that information to hand. Now, some people might think that's a bit over the top, but I feel you just don't know what situation you can be in if you're traveling alone. Now, I have the situation where because I create YouTube videos and I've got an audience on social media, there's always people asking me to meet up for a, for a drink or an asilomac. And that's really difficult for me to do because I'm traveling alone. I've no idea who that person is. 
That person knows all about me, but I know nothing about them. So I'm very, very, very cautious when it comes to meeting people on my travels. Most of the time, I meet up with people who I've built a relationship with on social media or in my YouTube comments. And I've had conversations with them over a period of months, six months, a year, other YouTubers, other remote workers, then that I feel a little bit more comfortable with because I've got to know that person over time. But when it's one way, they know me and I don't know them, I always politely decline. So that is just something to think about if you are building communities and audiences online. There will be people that want to meet you, but your safety is super important. My next travel safety tip for digital nomads is really just about protecting your personal data. It's so easy nowadays when we work in coffee shops and we are logging into websites and internet banking and PayPal accounts and Google AdSense accounts and all of that kind of stuff, that people can get access to that data. You could be fraudulently affected. People could take money out of your bank account, change your Google account, which means you lose access to your Google AdSense. There could be a number of things that happen. Also, if you are working with clients as a freelancer or you are an employee for a business, you also want to make sure that their data is protected as well. So this is why I always recommend having a VPN. Now, a VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. So when people are looking at computers connected to a network in a coffee shop on a specific IP address, your computer won't show up. That's probably the best way of explaining it. Now, I use ExpressVPN. They are a sponsor of this podcast. In the show notes, I've left a link to their website. Go and check them out. Fantastic service. I've used a few VPNs over the years and they've always been the fastest and most reliable. In the past, I have been accused of being super, <laughs> super organized and super kind of military style when it comes to planning a trip. You know, Darren, just let your hair down. Don't worry about all these things. But when I've done that, that is when bad things have happened. <laughs> when I've been in situations where I've been lost in arriving at my hotel or arriving in a new city or country, should I say. So what I always do when I visit somewhere new or I'm going to some accommodation in a city that I am familiar with, I also make sure that I know how to get there. What methods of transport do I need to take to get to my accommodation? I also look up about local SIM cards. I look up about public transport about money and ATMs, just have a bit of information about a place that I've not been to before. Now, Bangkok is a good example of when you use an ATM, the fees are ridiculous. So I used to go to an ATM <laughs> every day, and then I realized very quickly that this is costing me a lot of money. So now I just go once a week. But having that advice, having that knowledge about the place is really, really important. I feel so anyway. I feel much more comfortable knowing that when I get off that plane and I go through immigration, that I know exactly where I need to go to get to my accommodation. I aren't wandering around the airport for an hour, getting lost, looking lost. Because when you look lost and you look like a tourist, that's when the scammers come out. 
<laughs> so yeah, being organised and walking with confidence that you know where you're going, what you've got to do and the direction you're going in, then that definitely does help you avoid those scammers that are looking out for people who are travelling alone and might be new to that place. And my final travel safety tip for digital nomads is super important. I would say it's probably the biggest tip that I can give you today. It's critical. And that is that you purchase travel insurance. Now, around two months ago, I purchased insurance for the next six months. And that also included me being covered for pre-existing medical conditions like my diabetes. If I'd have taken out travel insurance today or tomorrow, just before I depart for Bangkok, then I wouldn't be covered for the coronavirus. So should I get ill and have to be hospitalized, I would have had to pay that money out of my own pocket. But thankfully, I booked the insurance, paid for the insurance two months ago, so I'm covered. I have actually checked with the travel insurance company today. And as I said, getting insured for any pre-existing medical conditions is also super important. The last thing you want is to have a huge medical bill and believe me, it will run into the thousands. You will be financially impacted in a big way. So for the sake of paying some money for insurance, it's worth it. My insurance that I've just paid out for six months cost me around £250, about US$300. And I think that is money well spent. Yes, it's a lot of money to pay, but if I was going to be hospitalised, that bill, that £300 would be, you know, depending how well I was, would be taken up in no time, spent in no time. It's ridiculously expensive is medical treatment in many countries across the world. So I cannot say this enough. Make sure that you are covered for any incidents to do with your health whilst you are traveling abroad. And that is it for this week's episode. I hope you found this useful. If you have any questions from what I've discussed in today's episode, please do email me, darren at hivevine.com. Or you can send me a message on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. As I've said throughout the podcast, all of the links are in the show notes at hivevine.com slash podcast. Please do go and subscribe to my new YouTube channel or sign up to my new email list at hivevine.com slash subscribe. And I shall be back next week with a new episode. I shall be coming to you from Bangkok in Thailand. Until next week, have a great weekend, great week ahead. And take care of yourselves. Touch you all soon.